I got done with that around 2.30 a.m. on Thursday morning, and then I went to the doctor at 8.15 in the morning. Hmm. So that night, I did get like four hours of sleep or so. Do you do you hate yourself? Is this why you scheduled a doctor's appointment at 8.15 in the morning? Well, uh, the main reason is that the doctor really wants me to not, uh, you know, not be as nocturnal as I am. Okay. So as part of that, I'm scheduling the doctor in the morning to kind of, you know, mold myself into being, well, not as nocturnal. I, I think this has the result of instead just having you not get sleep, which I think yeah. is worse. <laughs> well, I um, after the doctor's appointment, I came home and I think I slept for another hour or two in the middle <laughs> of the day. So, yes, you are right. It is making it worse, but uh, not uh, not quite in the way that you had um, said there. This is why night owls don't live as long. We're forced, oh. we're forced to wake up at... Uh, at times that we wouldn't normally want to wake up. Uh, and now you're you're getting me thinking about my whole fear of dying thing that we both have. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's a wrap, everybody. Thank you for listening to ALH. And, and, and not only that, <laughs> if, like, uh, if we do decide to conform to society and wake up at a normal time, then we're going to get less sleep and can be at higher risk of uh, dementia and Alzheimer's. Oh, God. Podcast begin. Welcome to ALH. We have things to talk about today, I think. Yeah, just a thing or two. Uh, I guess we can start with some follow-up on the on the land of folding phones. After Samsung decided to announce theirs folding phone, everyone else on Earth decided to also announce their folding phones. The, the nicest of the bunch, I think, is the Huawei uh, foldable phone that folds on the other side. Um, with the display on the outside instead of the inside, it seems a lot more elegant. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it looks, uh, from what I can see, it looks more polished as well. A better thought out design. And of course, this is one of those phones that is never, ever going to be in the U.S. Oh, I didn't realize it was not going to come to the U.S. Well, don't they, aren't they unable to sell in the U.S.? Or am I completely wrong about that? Huawei? Yeah. Um, I thought that they were able to. I thought that the problem with um, there were there, that it was the government is not allowed to buy them for their infrastructure. Oh, okay. So I guess there's uh, there's my confusion. But I think that they can sell actual products here. The other thing I was thinking about is the fact that they uh, rip off other companies so much oh, that... Yeah. Uh, that their, they don't their, their mate book yeah and i thought that uh what they generally do is they compete in uh, countries that don't have the same kind of copyright restrictions well that, they have uh, stuff here new egg is yeah. uh new egg selling one of their phones the clone of the samsung fold except better well they must have started it at a, like a similar time in order for them to announce so close together yeah very true very true that their screens are going to be on the outside and they're plastic. So they're, they're probably going to scratch, but someday maybe we'll have a solution for, for this because Corning is working on foldable glass. They want a, like a five millimeter radius for the fold. If Apple does a foldable phone, they'd probably do the, 
partnership with Corning for the foldable glass? So, I mean, I get it with plastic because, you know, plastic is more pliable than glass. I'm just trying to imagine how that's going to feel. I, I guess if you've ever held a bare fiber optic cable, sort of similar to that. Call it a fiber optic phone. That should be fun whenever Apple decides to get around to it. You probably have some prototype units in their lab at the moment. How much is this one again? This one's even more expensive than the Samsung one. It's like 2700 I think. Yeah, I mean, these are way too expensive for me to justify going in on an experiment. Yeah, I, I don't think that I would either. I'm not entirely sure what price I would be willing to, especially since I don't really use tablets very much, but... And again, uh, if Apple does it, I would be more likely to take the risk on it. Mm -hmm. Because if Apple does it, then what they're doing is uh, they're going to have to do a whole bunch of change in their software in order to commit to this sort of thing. Which means that if they do it, they're not just going to do it as a one-off. They're going to do it, you know, for the next anywhere three to five years. They've actually decided to buy in and uh, do this as a thing. Where with other phone companies, I feel like they're more likely to actually do one-offs when it comes to phones with specific features and specific things. We need one of those um, like little musical interludes that some podcasts have to break up the sections. I was actually just thinking that. We could have something with a theremin. It'd be really funny if we did uh, Eno reading Rainbow when the kid, <laughs> when, when the kid reads the, the book and you hear that da-da-da... <laughs> Yeah, I, I I know it's only like three notes, but I still don't want to like get sued by reading Rainbow. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd be okay <laughs> with reading Rainbow suing us if we can get LeVar Burton to take the stand in our case. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I love you in Star Trek. Don't talk to me. <laughs> Apparently he tweeted about when to in support of uh, Alex Trebek after his announcement. Oh, yeah. Poor Trebek. He really needs to go on Saturday Night Live just once. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, and they'd have to bring back Daryl Hammond. Or even better, actually get Sean Connery to do the part. That would be amazing. Did you see the announcement? I I saw his video, yeah. He's, like, so upbeat about it. Like, he's going to keep working. Mm -hmm. And as long as he can, and then, like... I have to beat it. I have three more years on my contract. Well, the thing about um, Jeopardy is, I don't know if it's like Wheel of Fortune, but I was reading that uh, Pat Sajak and Vanna White only work 36 days a year. (laughs) Yeah, I know that they record like five episodes each day. Yeah, that it's like one, it's, uh, you know, a whole bunch of episodes put in at once. Mm Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised um, if they try and change a schedule where it's like, okay, for this period of time, we're going to book a whole, you know, buttload of people in at the very end just to get uh, to get 50 episodes or so. Yeah. So we can keep running Jeopardy episodes like five years after he passes. Yeah. 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 Trebek, we're going to we're going to get those three years out of you one way or another. (laughs) Jeez, that's awful. Oh, but it's like, God, pancreatic cancer. And that's, that's the worst kind. Yeah. 
It's horrible. That's pretty horrible. What killed Jobs? Yeah. Except that Jobs had the less bad kind. Was Jobs was pancreatic cancer? Yeah. Jobs was pancreatic cancer, okay. except that he had a rare form that was treatable, but he died oh, from wow. it anyway. But uh, yeah, when I think of that, I think of like um, Bill Hicks. Mm-hmm. Well, he kept on working too, right? Even though he was in like a lot of pain. Well, he only had like he only had like a couple months, mm-hmm. I want to say, which uh, that's what the life expectancy is for pancreatic cancer. It's anywhere from two to six months. This is this is quite <laughs> possibly the darkest episode of ALH we've done. And we're not even through follow-up yet. So, uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on. Um, we have more follow-up. This time it's sort of, kind of good. Let, well, let's, let's keep it dark. Tesla is firing a bunch of people. Oh, yeah. That uh, Tesla is uh, deciding to move from... Um, from having a whole bunch of different spots showing off their Teslas to doing their sales online only. Yeah, and they they said that they can do this because you get seven days to return the car if you don't like it. But that seems like not really a good option because then you still have to go and you have to like find if if you most people will still have to go and get a loan or like pay a bunch of money and getting that reversed is not going to be fun. Getting the insurance out uh, back is not going to be fun. It would be way too much of a pain for most people to back out of. They really need, they really still need a way to test drive the cars. Yeah. And all, all I think is that this is rife for abuse that, you know, yes, the average person isn't going to actually buy a Tesla for the purpose of returning it. But there are going to be people who will. Mm-hmm. I guess they figure there's not enough of them to matter. But I, I, I really do think they need a way to test drive. I, I mean, ideally, they could do something like you book it online and then sort of like how their mobile service works. Someone just takes a car to you and you drive it and then they dr- take it away. So that's actually another interesting problem for them to address. Because usually when you do a test drive... Um, they generally have a planned out path mm-hmm. when you take a test drive. And this isn't just for Tesla. It's for a lot of other car dealerships as well. Right. Where with the, you know, where with this, it's like, okay, if you're delivering a car to somebody's house, then uh, that path isn't necessarily planned out. That's true. But the person that's buying the car will have a good idea of their neighborhood and where they would want to go and drive around it. <laughs> oh, now now I'm imagining somebody who lives on a ranch five miles out having a Tesla delivered yeah. to them. <clears throat> but this would this would take care of like the real estate leasing costs and also a lot of employee costs because they would not need someone to sit and man the store while someone's mm-hmm. taking out for a test drive. However, the more likely thing is people will just do test drives from the service centers. Yeah. Because they usually have a bunch of loaners on hand anyway. And um, if they could even just do it like, here's the key, get out of my hair for like 20 minutes. And then they don't even and then they don't even need like the employee time either. So so long as the person that's borrowing the car for 20 minutes is reputable. Yeah, as long as they bring it back. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I assume that they would have to like sign some sort of agreement, but then they could save on the employee costs, which is com- almost completely, which is the biggest factor. The uh, the good news about Tesla cars is that since Tesla has things like GPS and uh, LTE and all that built in, is that they can deactivate the car remotely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they can find them wherever it ends up going. One thing that surprised me, I actually I found out that there is a a Tesla gallery in uh, Rancho Cucamonga, which is about like forty minutes from where I live. Mm-hmm. I went uh, I went there the day of the announcement. Was everyone very sullen? There was nobody in there. Oh, it was uh, it was literally an empty Tesla gallery, and I'm thinking, yeah, you guys are probably going to be laid off due to just the lack of traffic in this place, right? That's too bad. <clears throat> this was to allow them to do some pretty massive price cuts, um, intr- including finally introducing their $35,000 Model 3. I'm sure everyone that listens to this has heard of this already, but hey. Yeah. <laughs> but this, uh, those price cuts, I mean, I was floored. The fact that uh, you know the Model S that I had built out went down from 140 grand down to 128. Yeah, I mean that you're you're getting a twelve thousand dollar price cut on you know a car that's basically a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. was the same thing, and I mean you remember that uh, a couple podcasts back that I was kind of uh, a little bit skeptical about their pricing beforehand, mm-hmm. and you know part of the way I rationalized it is what you're getting within a new car that you're you know you're getting a car that does a longer range than it did a couple years back and you're getting a car that's faster than it was a couple years back but this is pretty awesome for yeah. what you you know for what you're getting especially at the top end you can get a fully decked out P100D that has more options and is faster than my car for less than I paid for my car yeah which it's like it's regrettable for us back when we got it but it's great for yeah, it's it's great for people who are getting it now. Of course, they don't get the unlimited supercharging. Yeah, uh, well, that's true. <laughs> that, that's true. But hmm. <laughs> yeah. so, speaking of supercharging, they announced their their new two hundred fifty kilowatt uh, superchargers, and the people that are getting those heavily discounted Model S's cannot use them. This is uh, this is something I'm actually kind of curious about is are these discounted in part because of the fact that they're not going to be used they're not going to be able to be used on these gen 3 uh superchargers we'll find out when they announce the prices for the updated model 3 and x that use the new battery cell technology the model s's and the model x's are going to be able to use gen 3 supercharging and it is going to be faster than gen 2 supercharging it's just right now it's locked in software but when there's a software unlock in a couple months, they didn't say how fast it's going to be able to charge at. You're talking about the currently sold ones? The current, the current Model S's and Model X's. They, they indicated that they're going to keep it locked to 120. Uh, no, I saw something that said that it's at least that even all the superchargers are going to go to like 140, 145. Not for this. That's that's the Gen Two superchargers that are going to go up to one. They, they have a max of one fifty, but they're locked at one twenty, mm-hmm. and they're going to be yeah. up. They're going to be changed to go to one forty five. But the S and the X won't be able to use it at that speed. Only the three will for the old Gen Twos. 
Oh, well, that's disappointing, but okay. Uh, but the three will then be able to use the Gen 3s also at 250. And eventually the S and the X after they update their battery technology. This year was only going to be the internal refresh for the Model S and potentially the Model X. They were talking about the um, actual change of the battery structure being still being a couple years away. Ooh. B- because the... Uh, you know, because the 2170 uh, batteries, the battery pack has to be a little bit taller mm-hmm. in order to, you know, in order to fit. And uh, that's why they were talking about, okay, that they're going to still use the same batteries and battery packs until the actual, you know, full refresh of the Model S happens. Mm-hmm. But if that's, you know, if that's two to three years away, that... That doesn't sound practical or realistic considering, uh, you know, considering this announcement. Yeah, it would be super weird for only the three to be able to use the faster supercharging for so long. Yeah, it's either a gigantic bungle or um, there is going to be some kind of battery update this year in order to facilitate that. Hopefully they'll do a battery update. So uh, <laughs> watch that uh, when they end up doing the battery update, that that's when all the prices adjust back up by 10 grand. <laughs> maybe, maybe. I kind of doubt it, though. I think they have efi- uh, more efficiency with their new factory on the batteries. Mm-hmm. Since the recording of this podcast, it has, uh, Tesla has backtracked on their reducing of the prices and they are keeping stores open but raising the prices. What do you think of that? I'm okay with this as long as it is something that is beneficial for the company over time. Yeah. I mean, they it's, it could be that they didn't realize just how many leases they couldn't cancel. <laughs> and they probably got some backlash with people talking about how they wouldn't buy a Tesla without test driving it. And they, they didn't want to use my previously mentioned solution. Uh, I feel like they were trying to be too forward thinking on this. Sort of like how Microsoft had to backtrack with the down, uh, requiring internet connections for your games. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Eventually, eventually it's going to happen, but not yet. They said that the prices are going to be going up by 3%. Mm-hmm. Is this just on the base or is it a across all of the features that you can stack on it. I want to say it's across the board, not including the 35K Model 3. Well, yeah, I mean, across the board, I'm just saying for like, say a Model S, that a Model S goes from, say, 100,000 to 103,000. When you end up putting things like, you know, paint and autopilot and Oh, yeah. My suspicion is that the base prices are going up by that amount. Um, And then maybe some options are getting Mm -hmm. slight increases. But I suspect most of the options are going to stay put, especially like the autopilot ones. Mm -hmm. I mean, the uh, it was on things like the uh, P100D with Ludacris, or I'm sorry, the performance with Ludacris. It was such a price drop that even if they put it back up by a little bit, it's still going to be cheaper than what it was before. This is true. But I mean, I'm still not going to be getting one for a while until uh, 
until I see what happens with charging on the Model S. Yeah. Okay. So I, you, it looks like you put on a link for the MacBook hierarchy of needs. Yeah, uh, I found it's uh, something that seemed up your alley because uh, one of the things they were talking about specifically is having a good keyboard within a MacBook. Mm. Okay, so this is a thing. It was discussed on like the Accidental Tech podcast, and then I guess uh, it, an article relating to it showed up on Six Colors talking about what the MacBook needs, essentially. Within the uh, MacBook hierarchy of needs, um, I kind of wanted to talk about pretty much what the most important things are within a, within a MacBook. Yeah, like everyone else said, they really, really need to fix their keyboard. I feel like this is becoming our own religion here, <laughs> since we've uh, covered it a couple times, that uh, they need to bring the F keys back. Yeah. They need to make the keys on the keyboard better. They need to deprioritize having such a gigantic trackpad. Right. It would be nice if my MacBook Pro were not constantly whirring. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one of their issues is that uh, this this is probably more because my daughter spilled a beverage on my MacBook Pro. But um, I do know that some a lot of Macs have... Uh, heat or thermal issues because of the thermal paste that Apple uses is not great. And so a lot of people get a lot better performance out of their Macs by opening them up and take and reapplying the good thermal paste and putting it back together. So it'd be nice if they used decent thermal paste. See, that's just ridiculous considering how cheap thermal paste is and how expensive a MacBook is. And maybe there's some sort of weird shipping concern or something like that. And like, or how, like how it sticks or it's how reliably it can be applied or something like that. Maybe there's an environmental concern. Oh, maybe that's it. They use environmentally friendly, but awful thermal paste. (laughs) But then also, uh, thinness and lightness and all that kind of stuff for a regular MacBook, I understand that. You know, that uh, if you're buying a laptop that's supposed to be as portable as possible, sure, that makes sense. But for a pro, a pro is supposed to be a more capable laptop. Mm-hmm. So I think they can give a little bit, they can have a little bit of give on this. Right. For me personally, then there'd be having the ability to have like an NVIDIA GPU. This is kind of a sticking point for me because I like. NVIDIA GPUs, they're generally the fastest. And since I do a lot of things with scientific computing, that's, I mean, NVIDIA is all over the place there, especially since everyone uses CUDA for the scientific computing. And that's only available with NVIDIA. Even if you could have an external GPU that plugs into the uh, laptop that runs an NVIDIA car, that you would be happier with that. Yeah. I mean, ideally one that's in the machine itself, but I would be happy if, if they would just, just, just let NVIDIA submit their stupid drivers and allow them on Mojave. So, so I can use an eGPU. It's an NVIDIA eGPU. This is making me sad again. (laughs) Um, this is 
a little bit off topic, but kind of on topic. Um, one of the things I'd read about a little while back is that uh, Apple was rumored to be bringing back the 17-inch MacBook Pro in some variant. I thought I heard uh, 16-inch. Well, it is... Yeah, it's going so to be... Uh, what that means to me is the case is the same size and they reduce the bezels. Yes. Even that, you know, that's uh, a whole lot better than what they're doing right now with a 15. Is like, it is at least some conceit that there are people that want a laptop but don't care about absolute portability as much. Well, I mean... If they have the same case, then it's the same amount of portability. They're just trying to increase their screen. It would be nice if they had like an actual bigger laptop that was more capable and had a bigger screen. But I don't, I don't really see that happening. Did you ever have a 17 inch? I did at one point. Yeah. Yeah, they were great. Mm -hmm. I, I really wish they would go back to that. Yep, me too. 17-inch laptops are sort of the minimum for getting productive work done, I think, on when you're on the go. At least for me. I guess maybe I'm just old and have bad eyes. But I, uh, I'm able to get by with my 15-inch now, but you know, just a 17-inch would be so much better. What I would love is uh, if they did a 17-inch again, but pretty much address all of the uh, nerd hate that's happening. Like, only on the 17-inch, that's when you get the better keyboard. <laughs> and the dedicated NVIDIA GPU. And an SD card slot. <laughs> well, that's... Uh, I don't see that ever happening again. It's the MacBook Nerd Placation. That, that'd be a great name for it, the MacBook Nerd. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> <laughs> So Microsoft recently announced their HoloLens 2. Basically, the HoloLens 2 has uh, a new display technology for the, the, the hologram, along with like a, a twice as big of field of view. But the field of view is still only 51 degrees. I was Ouch. so excited about it until I saw that it was only 51. That means that the original... So the the way that they calculated it was not like a pure like horizontal field of view. It was like the total viewing area field of view, which is sort of weird. Um, the, the original one was like a 35 degree or something like that. So are they doing something kind of like... Uh, you know how like displays, when you say a 19-inch display, that it's, do it's measuring diagonal? Were they doing something like that? The total viewable area is doubled, basically. Hmm. So it doesn't mean that you have like a certain number of degrees wider. It means that if you if you multiply the width by the height, uh, you get uh, double the area as you did in the previous iteration. Oh, hmm. So it was horrible before, and it's less horrible now. Basically, yeah. Yeah. But still, isn't quite to the level where I would buy one. Also, they're $3,500, and supposedly this batch is for, like, enterprise and workers and stuff. Now, I'm trying to imagine that if it's $3,500 that, uh, say, a company decides to buy one, how many of them are they buying for how many people? 
And what kind of software are they going to be running on this? Well, they have like some examples of like this mechanic is guiding another person through like say fixing an engine or whatever and it shows up on their soft uh, on their on the on the other one. And then you can have like sort of telepresence where it creates a digital projection of the other person that you're collaborating with in the other place. I guess it automatically builds it with a profile picture, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Um, uh, there's a lot of like hand interaction stuff. So like you can, they have an example of like, they have a slider that's on a screen and you pinch the slider with your hand and drag it back and forth, stuff like yeah. that. The interesting technology I saw on this is that uh, apparently it's using lasers and mirrors. So mm-hmm. it's actually, it's doing a pretty bright image. Right. That part seemed pretty cool. It'd be interesting mm-hmm. to, tr- to try one, um, but I don't think I would buy one at this point. So it is, uh, my understanding is it's shining, it's shining a laser on a specific, pretty much on a point mm-hmm. or on a, on a series of points. It's not like a Carmack, you know, putting the laser to the lowest intensity and shining it into his eyeball. That was that was pretty that was pretty hardcore there. Yeah. But thirty five hundred dollars. Uh absolutely positively not a commercial product. Mm-hmm. The, the previous one was supposedly like a developer thing. Mm-hmm. So this one's not even a developer thing, it's a business thing. What's kind of sad is that I kind of wish that there um that there were VR companies that would have uh that would have something that pretty much covered the whole line. Like, um, you know, say for instance, Oculus, that uh, Oculus right now has three different lines of um, VR headsets. What I kind of wish here is that there were a $1,500 or $2,000 or $3,000 um, VR display that actually, uh, you know, that would actually fit into the line of um, other VR displays. Or say, for instance, uh, you get something that is um, nicer than the Oculus for more money. So, I mean, at least that way, there's the software ecosystem. In the case of, uh, you know, something like HoloLens, since it's completely enterprise, you're not going to be gaming on this by any means. Uh, so it does It does look like there is one advantage that this one has definitely over the Oculus Quest, and that is it uses a Snapdragon 850 instead of an 835 <laughs> for $3,500 I would expect as much yeah that's true still I would if they offered a version of the quest that cost twice as much money and had the very best processor I would probably get that one and I'm hoping they eventually will after uh, you know say make it the quest 2 or quest pro or something like that <laughs> Also in the world of VR, AR stuff, Nintendo has gone into 2015 and released their own Google Cardboard, or at least announced. So they're calling it the Labo VR. And I worry that people will try this and then go, VR sucks, and then (laughs) not want to do it anymore. Because it's effectively like the resolution... Of the original DK1 for Oculus. And there's not going to be anything positional, at least as far as I'm aware. It looks like you build these cardboard things, and one of them looks like a giant 
camera where you can like focus by moving the like other controller in and out or something like that is sort of weird. And I mean, the fact that it's pretty much something that clips onto the Switch. So you're having a whole Nintendo Switch put to your face. Mm hmm. With no straps. <sighs> oh, Nintendo. From the company that brought you Virtual Boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, Nintendo was kind of first to VR in a lot of respects when it came to a gaming company, but God, they didn't. Mm, they I heard the, the nausea pooch. was pretty bad with that one. I only tried it very yeah. briefly. Uh, they screwed the pooch on this. One of my main complaints about the Nintendo Switch to begin with is the display on the portable version, that it's a 720 display. And what's the one thing that will make it worse by trying to make it into a VR headset? Well, what you need to do instead is you have the docked version and you have a really big piece of cardboard and you put your (laughs) eye to your TV. Oh, and just uh, try and move the TV around as you move around. You'll you'll build your neck muscles. Mm. (laughs) Oh, I'll say you'll have totally defined neck muscles, but the rest of you is flabby. Yeah, (laughs) I am so disappointed by this. Like there's so many other things you can do, Nintendo. I mean, their 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 Labo system in general is pretty cool. Um, I don't have one, but from what I've read about it and heard from people. Like it's it's pretty neat, but I I I question the I question this one. Uh, well, it, if they do a re-released Switch where the display is actually better, then I'll uh, be able to say okay, you know, I'll give it a shot. But the way it is now, mm-hmm. I mean, the playing the Switch now for extended periods of time gets to me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's partly it's partly the display. The display is not great. And I mean, the fact that there's no strap, I guess it's uh, they're making it more like a viewfinder. Yeah, it's a it's a viewmaster. Oh, that that's the name for a viewmaster. You know, be gr- you know, be great is uh, on the Labo if they add um, if they add a switch similar to the old viewmaster, which you pull in order to make it show the next image. I bet you that one of the cardboard things in there does that. I bet it. I bet you. So, yeah. So, so this is basically like Google Cardboard, but um, I was reading in the Oculus Future, the History of the Future book. When the Google Cardboard came out, uh, someone asked uh, Palmer Lucky about what he thought of it. And his response was, uh, this is awesome. Oh, wait, this was awesome in 2013 when it was exactly the same thing as this other thing that like he had worked on. Anyway, it was it was interesting. I forget what it was exactly, but he was he was sort of snarkily dismissive of it. So I'm waiting for the Google Google Cardboard people to be snarkily dismissive of this. Yeah. I'm sure. But I think the people of Google just love Nintendo too much to do that. Uh, unlike us, where we have a love-hate relationship with Nintendo. So is this a uh, Nintendo of Japan effort or a Nintendo of America effort? I don't know if there's a way we can make this dark, too, but USB 
the USB standard for 3.2 is extremely confusing. So they have they have changed the USB 3 and 3.1 specs to both be USB 3.2, except that there's different speed differencing differences. So there's USB 3.0, which is now USB 3.2 Gen 1. And then there was three point USB 3.1, which is now USB 3.2 Gen 2. And USB 3.2, which is USB 3.2 Gen 2 times 2. <laughs> and one of those is super speed USB. Another is super speed USB 10 gigabytes or 10 gigabits. And the last is super speed USB 2, uh, US, super speed USB 20 gigabits. Why did they do this? So my guess is it's similar to when they modified the USB uh, spec for 2.0 and they, they put USB 1.1 into the USB 2.0 spec. So the USB 1.1 became uh, a USB 2 and they just cut one is like full speed and then there was like uh, there was like high speed and full speed or something like that. Still, why do this? Why bump up something from before? This gets into hardware manufacturers who, after the new spec comes out, have a whole bunch of, like, they had a whole bunch of USB 1.0 devices that they had not sold. And nobody wants to buy the old, wanted to buy the old USB 1.0 devices. And so they got lobbied to update the spec to call them USB 2.0. So now there are USB 2.0 devices that are actually USB 1.1 devices, but can be sold as USB 2.0 devices. But not full-speed USB 2.0 devices. People don't see that. They only see the 2.0. This is just terrible consumer-wise. Yes. That, uh, you, tell, you, know, you tell your mom or dad to go to a place and get a USB 3.2 cable, where... They'll come back with a USB 3.2 Gen 1 cable, where realistically what you wanted them to get is a USB 3.2 Gen 2 by 2 cable. Yeah, pretty much. It's stuff like this, which makes me realize why Apple hasn't switched to USB-C yet due to stuff like this. Um, Because, well, I mean, they did. They put on the USB-C ports and everything. Well, I mean, I mean, for like their phones. Oh, well, they'll get there eventually. Yeah. There's the rumors that they'll do it the next one. Oh, God. But that gets into uh, more fun with the USB specification because USB 4 has been announced and it is basically just Thunderbolt 3. So this is twice as fast as the USB 3.2 Gen 2 times 2 specification. Mm Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's essentially this Thunderbolt. So hopefully, hopefully after this happens, um, we can get good uh, USB-C docks that work properly. Mm-hmm. That's that's the hope. I'm actually kind of at a loss of words right now. It's another confusopoly. Yeah, another confusopoly. So I guess maybe this did become depressing after all. <laughs> we save our darkest news for the end. Yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to ALH. Have a garbage day.
You can visit us at ALH.FM and look at our show notes. Or you can harass us on Twitter at Aliens Land Here. Okay. Catch you next time. Later. I've also started playing a couple of new games. Um, one of them is Trials Rising. How does Trials Rising compare to the old Trials games? It's great. It, the gameplay is very similar. Um, the physics is right there. It's You basically are doing a whole bunch of Trials runs around the world. It's really ridiculous how much effort they put into like all of the backgrounds and stuff going on uh, that you're passing the scenery and everything it's really nuts um a lot of the interactivity with the levels is really good um overall it's just a really solid game hmm. it's definitely worth playing especially if you liked the previous trials games yeah i mean i had some fun with trials it, it wasn't something that i spent hours and hours on but you know still it's kind of like oh that's cool mm-hmm. and then the other game that i've been playing recently is uh one called ape out and have you even heard of this game no i have not heard of this game so the idea is that you are an ape that has been captured and you want to go and escape it's an extremely bloody game where you pick up the guys that are guarding you maybe you'll pick him up and then he'll fire off a shot which may like kill his buddy and then you throw him and slam him against the wall and they explode in like these piles of blood. It's it's um, getting back to our very dark theme here. Um, it, <laughs> it sounds darkly satisfying, um, and it's sort of like an action an action puzzle kind of thing because you have to figure out how to take out all of the guards without them uh, shooting you. And um, then all of this is done to like this percussive jazz soundtrack. And <laughs> I don't know that that just sounds so much funnier and it's really good. Um, like if, for example, like if you, when you throw a guy against a wall, it does like a cymbal crash. So are you playing it on the computer or on the switch? I'm playing it on the switch. The, uh, the top down reminds me kind of, of uh, grand theft auto one and two. <laughs> so this is a game that I think that you would actually quite like. This is this looks ridiculous, um, and it gets very it gets quite difficult. And then, like when you die, there's like a little it zooms out in a percussive way, and <laughs> draws like a line of like the exactly how far you made it in the level and like where you went and everything like that. Oh my! Oh my God! And you're throwing people off of buildings. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. So you said that there's levels. They're not randomly generated or anything like that. It's actually thought out level um, design. It's pseudo random. So the idea was that like jazz, they wanted you to have to react to the situation in order to get through it. So like the levels are very similar, like each mm-hmm. time you play through them, but they have like subtle differences in like where the walls are and where the enemies are placed and stuff. Right. Yeah. So you can't just like memorize a specific route and go all the way through it. You have to react to the situation that's occurring right now. Hmm. But it's less random than I would say like a Diablo level is. Speaking of Diablo, uh, Diablo 1 
got released on good old games. Mm. But not for the Mac. Not for the Mac. It's kind of pathetic that uh, here we are talking about a game from the 90s coming out for Windows, and it's just making me think, hmm, do I dual boot? Do I actually (laughs) add a dual boot partition on my iMac? I'm pretty sure this is the kind of game that will run fine in parallels. They said that um, they actually have an enhanced version that came out alongside the original version. Even so, pretty sure it will run fine in parallels. (laughs) Here I am trying to justify myself to get a three grand PC. To run Diablo 1. For Diablo 1. <laughs> Here on ALH, we make only the most rational decisions. Uh, I mean, I'm uh, I'm one of those people basically from r slash patient gamers. <laughs> you need a, a an amplifier there. Really patient gamers. <laughs> <laughs> I should make that subreddit if it doesn't exist yet. Only for games that are over 20 years old. I think that's just retro gamers. Oh, and I did play A Fisherman's Tale. Uh, I remember you talking about uh, being able to, you know, having a lighthouse and reaching down. So, yeah, you're you're a puppet in the game, apparently. That's a fisherman-shaped puppet. Mm-hmm. And you're a puppet that is building its own model of your own house Mm -hmm. and when it's complete it's you can look inside and see yourself seeing yourself seeing yourself seeing yourself (laughs) and it is really fun to go and like drop a pan inside the model and see this gigantic pan go into your own place (laughs) um that is very fun and um or 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 reach my fingers down and like have these giant fingers like patting my my face there's other fun things like there's a a fish that you interact with that um on when you look at him on one side of the house like he's inside and then the other one he's outside so like he could he's big enough to eat you in one place but like small enough that you could eat him in another (laughs) it's it's quite good You disappoint me, Mark. You disappoint me.